Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacobswell Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. Well, it is really awesome to be outside today. Thankful for the little breeze to cool us down. Uh, I know some of you love outdoor service and some of you are like, nah, I could do without it. Um, And so this is our one outdoor service of the year. Very excited to be together. Um, It kind of reminds me of the, uh, the Feast of Booths that they had in the Old Testament, which they remembered a time when they were wandering in the wilderness, and then finally they reached the Promised Land. This is kind of a reminder of another time when we had to meet outdoors all the time, uh, but now by God's grace we get to go indoors and worship Him, and uh, of course the church building expansion. If you would, please open your Bibles to Psalm 127. It's also printed in the bulletin, and so if you don't have a Bible, you can just turn there in your bulletin as well. Uh, Many of you know, uh, I like lots of different types of music. Uh, Of course, I like country music. Uh, I like uh, 80s music. I like 90s music. I I even like some pop music. Um, But when my family is driving to church, uh, many times we drive separate, but I know that when we drive to church, uh, we listen primarily to Christian worship music because we want to prepare our hearts Uh, to worship the Lord when we get here on Sunday mornings. I'm guessing many of you do the same thing. Uh, Psalm 120 through Psalm 137 were created for a similar purpose. Uh, If you notice at the beginning of Psalm 127, it says it is a song of ascent, meaning a song of going up. You see, wherever you were coming from when you're going up to when you're going to Jerusalem, you always went up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was a city on a hill. And so you always went up to Jerusalem. You ascended to Jerusalem. And so these songs were created for the pilgrims that were coming to Jerusalem to worship God and to prepare their hearts to come before the Lord uh, in his city and in his temple. And so it is a psalm of ascent, preparing the people of God to worship a God. Another important detail that you see there just kind of in the preface of this psalm, it says, a song of ascent of Solomon. Uh, Solomon was the son of King David. And if you're familiar with the story, you may know that King David uh, was prohibited by the Lord to build a temple for the Lord. But King David got everything ready needed to build the temple of the Lord so that when David died and Solomon became king, all he had to do was hit the go button and it would be magically built right away. And that's In fact, what happened? David died, Solomon reigned, and Solomon pushed the go button, and this amazing and majestic and huge temple was built. And so simply put, this psalm was written by King Solomon, uh, who was instrumental in building the temple to help the people of God sing as they approached the temple to worship God. So that's the, that's the framework as we read this psalm. So let's look together. Psalm 127, verses 1 through 5. 
This is the word of the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let's pray. (coughs) Lord God, as we now enter into this church building expansion, we pray, Lord, that you would focus our hearts where they should be focused. That you would help us to set our hope on where it should be set. Lord, pray that we would be faithful with this gift that you have given to us and show us how to do that here in your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Genesis chapter 11, there was another construction project going on. It was the construction of the Tower of Babel. In this story, people gathered together, really in rebellion against God, seeking to build some sort of structure that would reach up to the heavens to show how great they were. It actually says in Genesis 11 that they built this to, quote, make a name for ourselves. They were trying to show that they didn't need God, that they were greater than God. They were spreading their own glory instead of the glory of God. Without a doubt, as the pilgrims... uh, journeyed towards Jerusalem, as they came up, as they saw the great city, as they saw the temple, certainly there was a temptation for them to say, wow, look at what David has built. Wow, look at what Solomon has built. Wow, look at what we have built. And so Solomon in this psalm reminds the people of God as they approach the city of God and the temple of God that though they had labored to build it, Ultimately, it is the the Lord who has built and sustained his house. After the worship service today, it's been said you'll be able to tour the expansion, and I've been able to take one or two people through early, and the common response I get is, wow, this is huge. The children's church rooms are huge. The, The youth space is huge. The counseling space is huge. This whole thing is huge. And as we ooh and awe over what God has done, Psalm 127 gives us a right frame of mind on how to appreciate it and how to approach this building. You see, there are times where I'll have family come in town and they will be gone for a while and then they'll come and they'll come to church and they'll say, wow, look at all that you have done here since planting Jacob's Well Church. And and I, I recoil very quickly and this psalm reminds me, This isn't the church that church planter Dan built or the church that our staff built or even the church that Smut built. This is the church that the Lord has built, is building, and will continue to build by his grace. And so we want to come to this building with this question of how do we properly steward the building that God has built? How do we properly steward the church that God is building? You see, the church is not a 
building primarily. The church is a people. We are the temple of God, the New Testament says. And so how are we supposed to use that church building to help grow this church people today? And what we will see is that we are to labor in the Lord, we are to rest in the Lord, and we are to parent parent in the Lord. First, we are to labor in the Lord. Remember, <coughs> again, this is written by Solomon, who had just had the temple built. Verse 1, again, says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. The word house actually appears 1,700 times in the Old Testament, which is a lot of times. And it's used in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it refers to a person's home, like where they dwell, where they cook, where they sleep. Sometimes it refers to a family unit, like the house of Joshua. It's also used to describe the temple, the household of God, as well as used to describe the the people of God as a whole. The prime example of this is in 2 Samuel chapter 7, when David says to the Lord, I want to build a house for you, talking about a temple. And the Lord says, no, I will build you a house. Not talking about a temple, but talking about a heritage, a people. And he says, and establish your throne forever. All that to say is I think this word house in Psalm 172 can accurately be applied to the church today, to the church here at Jacob's Well. And so the first thing I want you to notice in this passage is in regards to this house is that we are called to labor in the Lord to build this house. Again, this passage doesn't say that laboring is vain. We are called to labor, but that to labor without the Lord is vain. That we must labor with the Lord. Now, in our church culture, uh, it has become more commonplace than even in the days of, of David or in the days of the early church, in which we can approach church in a more consumeristic way. Uh, we can come and consume all of the benefits of the church and yet not contribute to the church in any way, shape, or form. But we doesn't keep us from being critical of the church, right? But God has grown this church. And as he has grown this church numerically, there is a temptation to think someone else will do it. Someone else will take care of the ministry of the church. You see, a smaller church of 100 people, everyone jumps in because everyone knows that they're needed. But you are just as needed in a church of our size as you are in a church of a small size. God calls his people to labor in him for the building of the household of God, the church. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says to ministry leaders like myself and Pastor David and Pastor Spencer and the elders and the deacons, it says, equip the saints, that is equip the congregation for the work of ministry. And then this is important, for building, for building up the body of Christ, which is the church. 1 Corinthians 12 says something very similar. It says that God has given us a manifestation of the Spirit. Each and every Christian has been given a manifestation, a gift of the Spirit for the common good. Not for our own good, but for the common good. I was out to lunch with Tom Fowler this past Friday. Many of you know who Tom is, and uh, he, he says, you know, we really like Jacob's Well Church, but I have this one pet peeve. I'm like, oh, okay, here it is. What is your pet peeve? He goes, he goes it's a pet peeve that we call it volunteer sign-up. And I'm like, I don't, what's wrong with that? Like, why can't we call it volunteer sign-up? He's like, well, when we call it volunteer sign-up, it sounds like it's voluntary. Like, you can do it or not do it, and it's not a big deal. He says, we should call it Service Sunday, because this is what God has called us to do. 
Now, certainly there are times we need rest and we need breaks and there are certain seasons of our life where things are hard, but we uh, are called to serve one another in the church. But we are also called to do it not in our own effort, but in the Lord. And so the first application is pretty simple. Do you serve the body of Christ in any way, shape, or form? There is going to be a lot of needs in this new ministry wing for people to serve in children's ministry on Sunday mornings, in children's ministry on Wednesday nights, in youth ministry on Wednesdays, on counseling ministry. And and there's a whole bunch of ways to serve, whether it be handing out bulletins or making coffee or whatever it might be, even greeting newcomers as they come. You don't have to wear a badge, but these are ways that we serve Christ's church for the building up of the body of the church. And the question is, how has God equipped you and gifted you to do this? And are you putting it to work? Now, when we do this again, he gives us this warning and encouragement that unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And then unless the Lord watches over the city, that is, preserves it and protects it, the watchmen stay awake in vain. This is a warning to not try to do ministry out of our own efforts, but to come before the Lord and ask the Lord to give us the energy and the strength and the power to do ministry as if we were Jesus himself to the people that we are ministering to. I don't know you, but I need God's help a lot, many days. There are many days my attitude and my demeanor is not Christ-like, and I pray, Lord God, help this to be fruitful. And then it's also a promise. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And then there is this amazing promise, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is never in vain. What a great encouragement that you can serve in the church and you can be trying to teach yelling, screaming children. And you can try to you can try to lead a small group of youth kids that are distracted. And you can try to hand out bulletins to people who just pass right by you. And yet what we learn is that if you are doing this for the Lord, it is never in vain. That he will always use it for his good purposes. What a wonderful gift of grace. That all we have to do is step out to labor in the Lord and he will make it fruitful. You know, it still amazes me, honestly, um, that people get anything out of my sermons. I've shared this with you before, but on Saturdays, Trish will say, how's the sermon? I'll be like, it's awful. I don't even know. I shouldn't preach it. I should just throw in trash. I don't know what's going on. And, And even the ones that I'm like, man, this sermon is the worst sermon ever. People will be like, oh, the Lord used that mightily in my life. And I'll be like, okay, great. I'm glad. Like, I thought it was awful, right? Why is it? It's because the Lord builds his house. I've had people say, hey, Pastor Dan, when you said this, it really was impactful for me. And I will smile and nod and say, I I didn't say that, right? The Holy Spirit said that to you somehow, some way. It is the Lord who builds his house. It is not up to us to build the house. It is only up to us to be faithful, to give our five loaves and two fishes and let him multiply it for his purpose. And so how are we to steward the church building? We are to labor in the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, our labor is never in vain because the Lord does the heavy lifting. He does the spiritual transformation of his people. Secondly, we are to rest in the Lord. Verse two, 
He says, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he, being the Lord, gives to his beloved sleep. If you are a warrior, if you get anxious, this verse is for you. Again, this verse is not saying that you shouldn't rise up early in work or you shouldn't stay up late in work, but it's saying that if you do these things because you think that you are in control of the outcome of your circumstances, you are fooling yourself and you will be anxious. You have forgotten the sovereignty of God. You have forgotten what is in your dominion and what is in God's dominion. You see, it is for us to labor faithfully to the Lord, but it is for the Lord and His dominion to bear fruit out of our labor. Christian, you are not called to be successful. You are simply called to be faithful and to trust God with the results. And when we stay awake, worrying at night about the outcome of the circumstances, what we have done is we have forgotten that God exists. We have become practical atheists by staying awake at night, forgetting that the Lord is sovereign and he is in charge and he will control the outcome of whatever comes. You know, when I was a kid, I, um, I used to really struggle to get to sleep at night. I, I had a room and there was a balcony off of it and I was always afraid that like a bad guy would jump in and would catch me. And, uh, and so I would pull the covers up over my head. I would shut the windows even though it was like 120 degrees in my house because I was afraid. I was nervous. I was anxious. But all of that would change when my father or my mother would come into the room and sit next to me and put their hand on my back. Very quickly did I feel safe and secure because I knew that, that my mom and my dad would take care of me, that they were for me and not against me. In the same way, we can sleep easy, Christian. We can sleep knowing that the Lord is our Father who is in control of all things. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean everything is going to go the way that you want it to go. Obviously, there is tragedy in this world, and I don't want to dismiss that. But what we can know is that we can rest that the Lord has a plan even in the midst of those hard circumstances. Some that we may not even understand this side of glory. But we can work hard, labor hard in the Lord and then rest in the Lord and sleep as Christians, believing that God is in charge. Philippians 4 says it this way, that the Lord is at hand. He is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It will allow you to sleep at night, knowing that the Lord is at hand, the Lord is near, that He is sovereign, that He is in control of all things. And so we can labor hard, and then sleep knowing that God is in control. Jesus puts it this way. He says, Which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to your lifespan? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, those who do not believe in God, after, seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And so how can we inhabit the church building God has given to us. How are we to build the church, his people? 
Well, we are called to labor in the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain because God does the heavy lifting. We are called to sleep in the Lord, to rest, knowing that God is in charge. We are not in charge of the fruit and of the results and of the success of the things that we do. Finally, we are to parent in the Lord. Again, much of our building expansion has to do with children, being with uh, elementary age children as well as youth as well. And the question is, is are they worth it? Uh, we spend a lot of money for this expansion. Are the kids worth this type of investment? Well, look at verse 3 with me. It says, Behold, children are a heritage or an inheritance, a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Children are not a burden from the Lord. They are a blessing from the Lord. So much so that they are one of many ways that the Lord rewards his people for their faithfulness to him. And if you have been here for a while at Jacob's Well Church, you know that the Lord has blessed us extraordinarily. We, I cannot keep track of who's pregnant anymore. It's just completely impossible to do. We have a baby once or twice a month as a church. There was one, one stint last semester where we had a baby six or eight weeks in a row. It was a baby of the week club. This is a blessing from God. Children are a heritage from the Lord. He gives it to us by his grace. Now, many people do not know this. Many people don't, don't think about children as a blessing. They think of them more as a burden. Recently, I got to hang out with uh, one of our missionaries, Kalen Spencer. And he is a missionary in Taiwan. He'll actually be here next week, uh, which will be fantastic. Um, but he and his wife, Kate, whose maiden name is Kaiser, that may sound familiar, but they live in Taiwan with their four children. And most people in Taiwan have only one child. And so when people uh, uh, get to know Kaylin and Kate, uh, they will say, uh, are all these children your children? Like all four of these children your children? Like, yes, all of these children are our children. And, and then they will say something like, why would you have so many kids? That's so much work. And kids are so expensive. Your husband must make tons of money. And then she says, well, actually, my husband is a pastor. And kids are a lot of work, but they are worth it. You see, the view of children as an inconvenience is not only common in Taiwan. It's also common here in the United States. Nearly a million children a year are aborted in the United States because these children are considered a burden instead of a blessing, a burden to be eliminated instead of a blessing to be cherished. Even among us, there is a temptation to see our children as a burden and not as a blessing. When children overrun community groups or disrupt children's church or when our children grow up and they, 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 they push, push the boundaries and they and they think they know better than us, and so they start making decisions that are out of line with the values that we have taught them when growing up, it breaks our heart. But nonetheless, red and yellow, black and white, all the children are precious in God's sight. They are a blessing from the Lord. And so how are we to steward these children that God has given to us, both 
in our homes, but also in the church. As, as, as when, and when we do baptism, we ask the church, do you, do you agree to help these parents in the nurture and admonition of these children? This is, this is a together project in the home, but also in the church. Look at verse 4 with me. It says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. <coughs> Dr. Anthony Bradley rightly points out that Solomon compares children to arrows and not to cupcakes. You see, cupcakes, you fill with sugar, you put on an icing of morality, you sprinkle on some Christian customs, and then you put them in a protective case so that they will never get hurt, and then you display them for other people to ooh and awe at. But an arrow is something far different. Arrows are meant for battle. Arrows have to be sharpened by friction and by grinding. Arrows have to be prepared and put together. And then eventually arrows are launched into enemy territory. You see, we are not simply to raise kids who are consumers, binging on sugar and the pleasures of this world. We're called to raise kids with a purpose far greater. Kids who are laborers for the Lord, who are warriors for the Lord, who are fit for the cosmic battle against our enemy, the devil. Now you may wonder, how do we do this? How do we prepare our children and other children for this battle? How do we help them to be strong in the Lord? Well, Ephesians 6 tells us we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, and, and we are to put on the whole armor of God upon ourselves, but also upon our children, to dress our children, giving them the belt of truth in a world full of deception, a breastplate of righteousness in a world full of perversion. Choose fit for the gospel of peace in a world full of counterfeit and violent gospels. To give them a shield of faith in a world of despair. A helmet of salvation in a world of destruction. And a sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. In a world that is filled with the lies of the evil one. Parents, the reality is our kids do not belong to us. We are called to steward them. They belong to the Lord. And we have been entrusted to raise them up to be arrows, not cupcakes. Ready to take on the great enemy, suited with the full armor of God, even at the cost of their own life. I know lots of you here today, I hear all the time, people are discouraged by what's going on in the world they're discouraged about what's going on in our country. They're discouraged about what's going on in our schools. They will say things like, we're going to hell in a handbasket. If you want to change the world, if you really want to change the world, the most effective way is not by starting a blog or a podcast or by posting a whole bunch of stuff on social media. If you truly want to change the trajectory of our world, Minister to your children at home. Minister to your grandchildren. Minister to the children in the church. Minister to the children in the community. Because they are like arrows prepared by the Lord to wage war against 
the destruction of Satan and bring the redemption of God into a fallen and broken world. Let me end with this. <coughs> if, you're, if, you, if you like sports, you probably know this, but Yankee Stadium is known as the house that Ruth built. Colts Stadium is known as the house that Peyton built. Pfizer Forum could be known as the house that Giannis built. The current version of Lambeau Field could be known as the house that Favre built or that Rogers built. May Jake as well church be known as the house that the Lord has built. And how has the Lord built his house? How, he, how has he built us into a people? Well, it is not with brick and mortar. It is not with home runs and championship rings. God has built his house, his church, through his own beloved son who was launched into this world and came to serve and to labor faithfully without sin. And then in obedience to God, gave himself as a sacrifice for our sin, dying on the cross and descending into the dead where he had to trust that his father, God, would indeed raise him from the dead. And God did raise him from the dead, triumphing over death and ascending him into heaven where he is ruling and reigning over the entire world today, but especially in and through his church. And he has promised us that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Jacob's Well Church, as we get ready to inhabit this building, may we be people ready to labor in the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labor is never in vain. May we be a people who rest in the Lord, knowing that as we labor that God is good and God is in control of the outcome. And all we are called to do is to be faithful and to sleep well at night, trusting in the Lord. And may we be a people who parent in the Lord, our own children and other children as well, all the children he brings into the church and into our community, training them to be arrows of the Lord, who will themselves one day labor in the Lord, rest in the Lord, and God willing, parent in the Lord as well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this reminder of just what you have done, what you are doing, and what you, by your grace, will continue to do in forming a people here at Jacobswell Church. God, may we inhabit the building faithfully. May our praises be sung loudly. May those who don't know you be born again and come to know you. May those who do know you grow in their affection for you. Lord God, we pray your blessing and your grace on this expansion, not for our glory, but for your glory and for the good of your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you profess faith in Jesus Christ, if this has been confirmed by the leadership of a gospel preaching church that says yes and amen, you know Jesus, we invite you to come and celebrate the Lord's Supper with us today. But if this does not describe you, uh, if you've not been baptized, if you've not trusted in Christ for your salvation, we ask that you wait and not take of these elements until you can take it genuinely in faith in Jesus Christ. As we come to these elements, we are reminded today of how God has built his church through his son, Jesus Christ. 
through His Son's blood and through His Son's body being broken for us. And may we receive it with thanksgiving and rejoicing that we have been counted worthy by the blood of Christ to be among the people of God, the temple of God, which is Christ's church. Today we have uh, those old cups with the double lids on it. Um, you know they're called COVID cups, right? You're probably gonna I was going to try not to say that, but I think everyone knows what those are. And uh, we're going to be using those today for two reasons. One, it's just more convenient outdoors. Uh, but, but the other reason is we have 500 of them that are going to expire sometime soon. And so we thought, you know, this is a good opportunity to use those up. <laughs> And so, uh, just full transparency. Um, And so, we're going to have several elders and deacons have baskets along the front here. And we will have one elder or deacon making it out to the cars. If you're in a car and you need uh, the communion elements, would you just like run your windshield wipers or something if they don't make it to you? And they'll come and find you and bring you the communion elements. So, uh, elders and deacons, if you would come forward. And then if you would take the cups and hold on to them, and we'll partake together as the body of Christ. If you need us to bring elements to you, feel free to raise your hand.
the Lord Jesus. On the night when he was betrayed, took bread. After blessing it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, Drink of this, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Lord Jesus, today we come confessing that there is only one foundation to this church, and it is you. We are so thankful that it is not up to us, because you are in charge. Help us, Lord, to be faithful with the task that you have put before us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. If you would please stand, and if you agree, let us sing together. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ. The church is one foundation, is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his own.
Amen. There we go. There we go. Uh, so just a way of reminder. First off, uh, if you, we know people go on vacation uh, for the summer. Don't let that keep you from signing up for summer studies. You can do that on the back of your bulletin. We know you'll miss weeks. It happens. No big deal. Just go ahead and sign up, even if you can just make a few. Encourage you to do that. Uh, also, the, the expansion is currently a construction site. Uh, we don't have permission to inhabit it. We do have permission to tour it. Uh, I don't think the lift is ready, right, Dan? So, so, so I apologize for those who it affects, but the lift is not available at this time. You can drive around to the lower area if you need to do that. But, but in a minute here, you can go in, uh, you can tour. Even the, the, the old nursery has transformed. Uh, you can check out all the new spaces. Uh, if you would, while you're going through there, praise the Lord, pray over that space. And then when, you, uh, when you've had your fill, feel free uh, to depart in peace. Here now, God's blessing from Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We'll see you inside. Jesus. 
like mountains He never shakes, never shakes, never will my world should fall Now tell me what if my world should fall When I'm left betrayed and all my riches fade and I lose it all Where does my help come from? Oh, where does my help come from? When the troubles roll and the tempest blows and my hope is gone my eyes to the heavens I lift my eyes to the hills My Lord surrounds me like mountains He never shakes, never shakes 